Well, hey, you guys, welcome again to the Connection Point Worldview Podcast. I'm here with Dr. Zach Breitenbach and Pastor Trey Shigley. They head up our Worldview Department here at Connection Point, Connection Point, Connection Point Christian <laughs> Church, uh, right here in central Indiana. And um, this podcast is designed to take you as a parent or guardian deeper into places where your students have already gone. And uh, this is a series for the high schoolers that you guys have been doing called How Great Is Our God. It's kind of a Attributes of God uh, series, and uh, I think it's been super helpful. I know it has for me so far. This was week three in this series, and um, so could you remind us of the goal for this series? Maybe tell us what attributes you covered this particular week. Yes, so the goal for the series is we are looking at the different attributes of God, so we can understand him better, so that we can love him better. Mm. Because you can't really love uh, someone you don't really know. You know, you can say, oh, I, I love so-and-so, but if you don't know anything about them, you don't really love them. And so we are looking at the attributes of God and how those things uh, influence the way we interact with him, but also just how we feel towards him as well. Um, because we're convinced the more you get to know God, and the more you know about him, the more you're going to fall in love with him. And that's going to shape your actions and the rest of your life. And so uh, this week we're talking about how God is perfect in knowledge. He's always present and he has no physical body. Awesome. You're not going to attempt the big words because I remember you liked yeah. omnipotent last yeah. time. Yeah, and, they're uh, tough for me. Just break it down. Make uh, it simple. Yeah, no, that's that's great. So uh, the first attribute you covered this time was omniscience. Uh, could you give us a definition for this and summarize what the Bible says about having uh, God having this quality? Yeah, omniscient, a nice, long, fancy word, but uh, really just comes from a couple Latin words, right? Omni just means all, and the last part of it, it where we get science, uh, that just means knowledge, right? So it just means all knowledge, and the definition that we used um, is that God has unlimited knowledge, awareness, and understanding. And he believes all truths and doesn't believe any falsehoods. So anything that is true, uh, whether it's about the past, the present, the future, even possible ways things could be, as we'll see, uh, God knows it if it's a truth. And mm -hmm. he doesn't believe anything false. He doesn't have any false beliefs. And, and he's unlimited in, in what he knows. So we went through uh, a few different categories of biblical teaching on God's omniscience. And the first category is, is verses that talk about how God knows everything that's happening uh, everywhere. Um, and so we looked at, for example, Psalm 139, uh, 1 through 6, a, a psalm of David, and it, it talks about how God sees him everywhere, whether he's rising up or sitting down. Um, God knows everything that, that David's doing, everything about where he is and, and what he's thinking even. Um, even with uh, in the book of Job, we see this. Uh, Job 28, 20 um, and verses 23 to 24, we talked about how um, God understands the way to wisdom. He looks to the ends of the earth. He sees everything under the heavens. There's, there, there's nothing that can happen that it escapes God's knowledge. Um, his, his eyes are in every place, uh, as Proverbs 15.3 says. And Jesus talks about how not even a little sparrow will fall 
to the ground apart from God knowing it or even that the hairs on your head are are numbered. Um, then we looked at uh, another um, category of verses, which is that God knows everyone's thoughts. And so we looked at, at multiple passages that talk about how God knows even what you're thinking and what's going on in your heart and your motivations. Uh, like in First Chronicles 28.9, it says, The Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. Uh, so he knows your plans. He knows your thoughts. He knows why you do the things uh, that you do. We looked at, at several other verses there as well. Uh, Hebrews 4.13 probably sums it up. Uh, it says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight, right? Even your heart, even your thoughts, even your inner life. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account, um, which is is comforting and we we reflected on is is that comforting or terrifying yeah. and it's, <laughs> Depends. it's it's a little bit of both sometimes <laughs> um, but i think ultimately we're going to see it's comforting for those who uh who have entrusted themselves to god because we know he is good and even though he knows all things and it'd be terrifying if everyone could see all of my thoughts you know played out on a screen uh it'd be pretty humiliating for any of us um god does see that um, and yet he loves us, so we can take comfort in it. We'll, we'll apply that later on. Uh, a third category we talked about is God never learns. He's literally Mr. Know-it-all. He, he cannot learn anything because he knows everything. He's eternally known everything. He hasn't had to learn it and become knowledgeable. Um, as it says in Romans 11, Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God? No one has ever counseled God, instructed God, taught God anything. Job twenty one twenty two says, "Can anyone teach knowledge to God? Right, He has perfect knowledge; uh, his understanding has no limits." So then we talked about another category, uh, which is that there's verses that say God knows the future. Uh, he doesn't even need a flying DeLorean to to go look into the future to understand it. He just knows it. If it's a truth, he just knows it. Uh, and we looked at multiple passages that talk about that, including Isaiah, which says this is one of the evidences that God is the true God, as opposed to, say, a, a false idol. It says, tell us, you idols, what's going to happen. Uh, tell us the future so that we may know you are gods, it says in, in Isaiah 41, uh, 21 to 23. So this is one of the evidences that God is God, is that he even knows uh, the future. Um, whereas false gods uh, are not gods at all and would not. And then we looked at one other thing, which is that God not only knows the future, but he knows even different ways the future could have been. He knows if if we did this with our free will or this event happened, uh, how things would turn out. Uh, he knows the multiverse. <laughs> he even knows that if if uh, Ron had never uh, been born, mm. um, who, who would be uh, preaching at Connection Point right mm. now, mm. right? God knows that. I mean, I don't think any of us could, could really know that or, or how the world would be different. And so we talked about the, the famous Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life, uh, where, where Clarence the angel shows George uh, what the world would have been like if he had never been born because he was thinking of taking his life, saying it had been better if I was never born. And we find out the world would have just been dramatically different if he had never born, been born in, in many bad ways. Um, and so the question is, does God have that kind of knowledge? Does God know what Clarence did in that movie, uh, how the world would be 
if such and such were different than what it is. And it turns out that there is evidence of that in the Bible, which I think is really amazing. Uh, we talked about the story of David, who was hiding from Saul, who was trying to hunt him down. And he was hiding in this town called Keilah. And David asks God, uh, if I stay here, will Saul come to this town? And will the people of this town hand me over to Saul? And God says, yeah, Saul will come. And yeah, they'll hand you over. And so David leaves. And then it says Saul never came to Keilah because he heard that David had left. So God wasn't giving David knowledge of the future. He was giving him knowledge of a possible future. What would happen if David chose to stay and what Saul would freely do and what the the townspeople would freely do. Mm -hmm. God even knows our free actions in situations we're never in. Uh, so the, the depth of God's knowledge is, is, uh, is really amazing. That's pretty cool. We, you kind of started to touch on this a little bit, but what are some personal applications then for our lives when we think about God literally knowing everything? Yeah, there's some really cool ones. Um, first of all, it, it helps you fully trust God to guide your life. It really should, to know that he knows uh, everything. God will never fail to understand something. God will never overlook anything. He's never going to be unsure of what's best for you. He's never going to be caught by surprise. That, that is impossible. And when God inspired his word, it wasn't like he didn't understand how the world would be in the future and this is just going to be irrelevant to us in the future. He knew and so his word can be timeless and relevant because he knows the future. He knows uh, humanity. He knows everything uh, perfectly. And so Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 is a great verse. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your pastorate. And I think that is, is a great application for what we're talking about. We should trust in God with our whole heart, and not lean on our own understanding. That doesn't mean don't think for yourself ever, but don't think too highly of your own knowledge and, and don't think you can just disregard God's boundaries, his, his commands. Uh, that's something that you see so often where someone will say, oh, I can get behind a lot of what God says and what God's word teaches. But, you know, maybe for like sexual boundaries, I, I, I don't find that uh, to be something I want to follow for myself. It's not very convenient for me. Um, so I think I know better than God, you know, when it comes to that. Um, but are we really going to tell him that he just doesn't get it, right? He, he knows everything, uh, so we need to trust him to guide our lives. Uh, another application I'll share, and then I'll let Trey share, is it gives you comfort because God knows your heart. Uh, I think we've all felt misunderstood at times. Um, humans can misunderstand you. They can unfairly attack you. Um, even though your intentions are good. But God will never uh, misunderstand you. He will never um, get it wrong about you. Uh, 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord uh, looks on the heart. And so I think that does or should give us a lot of comfort to know that God knows our heart because while it could seem terrifying for God to know our hearts because our hearts are wicked, uh, we know that God is good and we know that he's loving and that his, uh, he has your best interests at heart. And so there's a lot of comfort in that as well. That's really cool. I mean, that, that is encouraging because there's a, there's a sense in which he knows me better than I know me, which is pretty great. Trey? Yeah, yeah, yeah that, it is very comforting. And I think one of our 
biggest desires and yet our biggest fears as humans is that someone will completely know us. And when you, when you think back to the garden with Adam and Eve, uh, after they sinned, they hid from each other and from God, you know? And so for all of humanity's history, we've been afraid for people to know who we truly are. And yet with God's love and his knowledge of everything, he knows everything about us. And not only that, he knows everything about us in the future. And so I don't know how many times I have been, uh, I've disobeyed God. I've let him down. I've acted out of hate instead of love. And I, that thought of like, does God still love me? (laughs) You know, like it, Am I a disappointment to God? As if the actions I just did surprised him. As if he didn't already know. And yet God knows every sin I'm going to commit in the future. And yet he still chose to die for me. And so I think that's just amazing. Like all the skeletons you have in your closet, every secret thought you have, everything. God knows everything about you. And he still says, I want you in my family. And that is the most incredible incredible thing when we when we can grasp it and and actually believe it it can help us live just so freely and rest in the love that god has for us because we know it's love not based on just what we're projecting and the person we're trying to seem like because some people love us and they don't really know us but god loves us and he really knows us and that's that's incredible Mm Well, there's omniscience for you, and uh, the next attribute then you guys discussed was uh, God's omnipresence. So what's a good definition for this attribute, and, and then what are some things that the Bible says about it? Yeah, so for omnipresence, the idea is uh, you're not getting away from God. Um, whether it's in, any location in the physical universe, we could think about a, a molecule in the farthest recesses of the universe. God knows about it, um, and he not only knows about it, he's able to act on it. Um, and, and also in the spiritual realm. So anywhere in the physical realm of the universe, but also in the spiritual realm, God is able to, uh, he's aware of it, and he's able to act at at, at that location, at every location, at all times. Um, so that would be a good definition of omnipresence. God's able to, uh, he's aware of and able to act at every location all the time. And again, we went through some uh, biblical teachings on this to highlight them. The first uh, verses we looked at talked about his, his presence everywhere. Psalm 139, 7-12 is a good passage. It says, Where can I go? From your spirit, David asks, where can I flee from your presence, God? Uh, If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. Uh, Even the darkness will not be dark to you. There's no way I can get away from uh, your presence. Um, And God says in Jeremiah 23, am I only a God nearby and not a God far away? Uh, Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them? Do do not I fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. There's just no way you can escape God. Uh, Also, secondly, we looked at verses that say you cannot contain God. There's no way to contain him. God doesn't dwell in a temple or a building or a church. Um, So Solomon uh, was the third king of Israel, and he built the temple. And when he built it, the Jews, you know, believed God was was present there in a special way, but Solomon didn't have any delusions that God sort of lived in the temple and, and nowhere else. And so when he was dedicating the temple, 
uh, in 1 Kings 8.27, Solomon says, But will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot contain you. How much less this temple Mm. I have built. So he knew that God wasn't contained in the temple. And even the highest heavens, even the universe itself, uh, cannot contain God. And Paul says a similar thing in his speech to the philosophers in Acts 17. He says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. He's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Instead, he gives us life and breath and everything else. We live in him, and, and he, we live in what the container he made for us. We, we don't make containers for God. Um, so that was the second point. And, and also, just uh, as Jonah found out, right, nobody can escape. Uh, no one can escape from God's presence. He exists everywhere. He can't be contained. So that's kind of... Uh, uh, a short summary of of, uh, of some of the the verses, and and I'll also point out we we made the the point of two errors people kind of make related to this, and one is like thinking God only lives in church. You know, we go to church and we we worship God. We think, well, this is where God's present, and we leave, and you know, God's not really uh, seeing anything else I do, um, or to think that God is just off in heaven. And, mm. and uh, he kind of lives there, and he's not really involved or aware of you know what's going on uh, here here on earth. But as we've seen from Scripture, neither of those is really uh, accurate at all. So, so God is present everywhere, but how did you suggest we should think about this? Is God physically like spread out through the universe? You know, there's kind of New Age thinking that God is the tree, and God right, is the right. you know, uh, yeah. it's kind of the avatar uh, sort right. of right. Yeah, yeah, I I think. Yeah, an incorrect way of viewing it would be thinking of him as, you know, a physical material just spread out over everything, you know, like, um, yeah, this this being that there's a piece of him here, a piece of him there, and it's just kind of spread out um, across everywhere. God is not, uh, as we're going to talk about in a second, he is not physical. He is not physically spread out. He knows everything. And he can act anywhere at any time, at all times, and so he's he's he is uh, more like um, fully present. He's not spread out partially present. He's fully present at every point in the universe, at every point in the spiritual realm. He is fully there, um, and not like just pieces of him here and there. But um, yeah, he is he is fully present at every place. That's good. I hear like Christians sometimes make the comment like when they're praying, like, I'm sure God's too busy for me or this is too small a thing to bring to him, which kind of maybe subconsciously they're thinking of God in terms of their, you know, maybe a busy parent or, you know, their busy boss that they can never get a hold of or, you know, whatever. And God must be bound by the same, you know. It would, that, that would cover all three of his omnipotence, omniscience, and omnipresence, probably, if he's yeah. lacking in that regard. But if he's able to be fully present everywhere all the time, I mean, that's that's pretty special. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good transition to the last attribute you discussed. God is spirit. So tell us what that's all about and what biblical points you mentioned about this quality of God. Yeah, so very related to what Trey was just talking about with God's omnipresent, but he's not omnipresent in the sense of he's physically present everywhere. Uh, We know that because the Bible says God is spirit. And what that means is God has 
no physical body. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes sense that God wouldn't have a physical body if he's the greatest being, because if he had a physical body, he would depend on the physical stuff that he's made out of. Mm-hmm. And God doesn't even depend on that. He doesn't need physical matter to live or anything else. And he, he isn't physically limited to being in one place. Uh, he is spirit. Um, and so this is the last attribute. And so we talked about some passages in the Bible that say God is spirit. One would be in John 4, 21 to 24, uh, with uh, Jesus talking to the woman at the well. And uh, he, he says, you know, you, we don't just worship God on this mountain here or in Jerusalem. Um, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in the spirit and the truth. We can worship God from anywhere, and, and God is spirit. And in Greek, the word spirit is is pneuma, uh, which is like the word where we get pneumonia. And you can translate that as uh, breath or spirit. It's basically non-physical, right? Mm-hmm. So God is not physical. He's not physically located on some mountain or in a certain city or in a temple or anything like that. Um, God is pneuma. God is non-physical. He is He is spirit. And then we looked at some passages that say God cannot be seen. Not just that we don't see him, but we can't. Paul says in 1 Timothy 6.16, no one has seen or can see God. Uh, and the reason you can't see him is he doesn't have a body. He doesn't have a body that, you know, light can bounce off of and we can we can see him. Um, 1 Timothy 1.17, Paul says that God is invisible again. Colossians 1.15 again says uh, that the Son is the image of the invisible God. Uh, so Jesus came into the world and took on a human body, and so certainly we can see Jesus. Uh, because, like us, he's fully human. He has a body uh, because he took on one. He took one on one in the incarnation. But God, existing eternally by his very nature, just doesn't uh, have a body, um, and so he can't be seen. And then the last thing we talked about is verses that say, you cannot, you are not to make images of God. Images of God are forbidden. Um, not just idols of false gods, of course, but even of the true God. You're not supposed to make a physical image or representation of God. And we read a couple passages from uh, Moses, uh, Exodus 20, the second commandment, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. Um, and then in Deuteronomy 4:15 to 16, he talks about how you saw no form of God when he spoke to you at Horeb out of the fire. You didn't see a physical presence, a physical being. Therefore, watch yourselves very carefully so that you do not become corrupt and make for yourselves an idol or an image of any shape, like a man, a woman, or an animal, or anything else. So even just remember when God spoke to you, you didn't see a form. He doesn't have a body. So the reason for not making an idol even of the true God is because any idol you make is going to uh, lower who God is. Mm. It's not going to represent him accurately because mm. he doesn't have a physical mm. form, mm. a physical body. Um, so the, that, that was another passage we talked about. We even kind of brainstormed a little bit at our tables about that. Like, what do you even think about, say, the uh, Michael, Michelangelo's painting on the Sistine Chapel. Yeah, I was just going to ask you about that. Yeah. yeah, should we even do that? And I yeah. asked them to think about that and talk about it at their tables because uh, this, of course, portrays God's hand reaching out and touching Adam uh, to give life. 
Um, and personally, I don't think we should do that. Mm-hmm. I don't think we should make images to represent God. Now, I think it's different for, for Jesus in his incarnate state because, as I said before, he's a human, and he had a human physical body. So if we have a, a picture or an image or a movie that has Jesus in it, well, you could see Jesus. He did have a physical body because he, he took on our humanity, and he came into this world as one of us. But to make an image of God himself, well, God just, you know, existing apart from uh, a human body that Jesus took on, doesn't have a physical form. Um, so those were those were some of the scriptures uh, that we looked at. And if we had time, it would have been fun to kind of unpack some of those passages that would describe God in bodily terms, but that had to be on the cutting room floor. But it's, it, it, I'll say briefly, there are passages that will say, like, the arm of the Lord was mighty right. to save Israel, or his eyes are everywhere. Uh, we even read that passage earlier. So I do think that these are metaphorical passages because mm-hmm. we have to consider the whole of Scripture, which there's clear passages that say you can't even possibly see God. He right. doesn't have a body. He's pneuma. Um, and so saying like the arm of the Lord is mighty to save Israel doesn't mean he, he has a physical arm. Mm-hmm. It's it's just to say God is powerful and he's there to save them or something like that. Got it. Well, so as we wrap up this episode, can you give us some reflections on God being omnipresent and spirit? Like like what personal applications did you offer? Yeah, there's there's a lot of good ones. I'll, I'll talk about uh, omnipresent. Um, so one would be, we can pray to God at any location and have an ongoing relationship with God. And I think this is is really awesome. So whether you're in your car or wherever you might be, um, you can just talk to God throughout the day, hmm. right? Because he's always there with you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we even pray to, uh, to God, hey, be with so-and-so. And <laughs> I don't think we really even need to pray that because God's always with everyone. Uh, He's always present. Now, we could thank God for his presence. We could pray for his action in their life. But and I've done that myself. So, yeah, please be with. Right. And and what we usually mean by that is just strengthen this person, heal this person, encourage this person or whatever. But technically, I mean, God's always there. there. We don't necessarily have to pray because pray for that. Uh, Because God's just always there. And that's a cool thing. So you can always talk to God at any time. Even if it doesn't have to be a fancy prayer, you don't have to say it out loud, it doesn't have to fit a certain format, you can just have an ongoing dialogue with God throughout your day, and you can know that He hears you, and He hears unlimited people throughout the world at the same time. And we can talk to God whether we're in Indiana or China or Texas or in outer space or wherever we might go, um, we can talk to Him, and that is... Uh, really an amazing thing. First Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray continually, and I think we, we should. A second application is um, the presence of God can really encourage you, and it can hold you accountable because you know that God mm-hmm. is always present with you. You can be occur- encouraged by that, but also accountable. When you're tempted to sin, um, just know that God is there. He's there to strengthen you, but he's also there watching you. Sometimes when we sin, we like to think, God doesn't see this, or you like to pretend that he's not there. You pretend you're all by yourself doing your own secret sin, but God sees it. And everything is laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. And we need to uh, keep that in mind, and that might encourage us not to uh, to sin when we're tempted. Um, I think it also inspires us to worship because God is always there to receive our worship. 
Um, we can we can worship God in our car. We can sing to Him. We can we can uh, worship God anywhere we go, and we can enjoy God's presence as we worship Him at all times. And then I'll say one more thing. God's always there to empower you as you serve him, right? So when you're in your mission field, whether that's school or work or wherever, um, you're not by yourself. You might feel like you're the only Christian there. You might feel like you've got no support. But God is always there, and he will empower you if you ask him to. And He's you're, you're never alone. You're, you may feel alone, um, but you never uh, truly are. That's really great. Trey, you, you want to... Maybe some of the practical application on God being spirit. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's cool about God being spirit and not being physical is uh, there are so many things that divide us as humans, mm. and so many uh, come back around to our physicality. You know, where are you from? Who are your parents? Like, what do you look like? What's your race? Like, it. There are a lot of things that divide hum- humans and humanity, uh, and God is none of those things, and so. Uh, he can be something that we all um, kind of uh, are united under, and he's accessible to all, no matter who you are, what you look like, where you're from. Um, and so that, that's pretty amazing. Um, and then the second <clears throat> is that uh, the physical body has great value, um, but spiritual things are of even greater value. Hmm. And uh, there's a verse in First uh, Timothy Four, that says has have nothing to do with godless godless myths and old wives tales rather train yourself to be godly and then here's here's the comparison he's making for physical training is of some value but godliness has value for all things holding promise for both the present life and the life to come the physical body is important and you need to take care of your body um, but it will end when this life ends, and then when Christ returns, we will have a new body. So we will still be physical for all of eternity, but uh, it'll be a new body. Our spiritual selves will endure forever. And so godliness is uh, what we should be seeking first. And uh, our, our spiritual health is of utmost importance. And so it's good to be um, in First Corinthians. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Are you spending your life, your energy, your time, your efforts, your emotion towards things that are just going to rot and rust and pass away, things you can't take with you when you go to the grave? Or are you spending the bulk of your time, your effort, your energy, your emotions into things that will last forever, which is your soul and the souls of the people around you. And so God being spirit is a great reminder that we should focus on the things that are spiritual as well. I love that. I love that. Um, So guys, as uh, maybe parents or guardians are um, wrapping up this particular episode and maybe turn off the the phone or the computer or whatever and then uh, be around their own kid soon, What's maybe a discussion item that they could have based on this today? Yeah, that's a good thing because that's what we really want this podcast to be is a, is a way for you to um, interact with your student um, who, who's been through these lessons. Um, so I would say reflect on uh, a couple things, right? That God knows everything. We talked about that and that God's present everywhere. 
God knows everything about all things, including you and your thoughts and your mind. And he's always present with you at all times. Just reflect on that and then talk to your student about what does that mean to us in our relationship with God? How does that help us relate to God or trust God or talk to God? Uh, Just think about those two things. And I think you could have a really good conversation about that. That sounds great. Um, Well, guys, thanks again. We've got one more week in this particular series, and that'll be here before you know it. Uh, If you've got more questions about Connection Point Christian Church, you can go to cp.church, get some questions answered, and uh, reach out to us there as well. So God bless you, and we'll be right back with you soon.